0: What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening. We got a brand new episode. I se- I talked over Skype with Domagoj Buden out of Croatia. Um, you may have heard of him more recently. If you haven't before, he recently won the BT Indoor part of the World Cup series that they have going right now. That will conclude at the Vegas shoot in February. Um, Dom is an awesome shooter. He's young and just getting started in his career, and just has been kicking ass the last few years quite a bit. And um, he became a pro shooter in 2016 that we discussed on the podcast. Um, also we got into a lot of the way he trains and prepares uh, mentally and all that good stuff. I think a lot of our a lot of the followers I have who are into target archery are really going to enjoy this episode there's a lot of good information on there Um, it made me come up with a whole new plan of the way I train for indoors it really helped something click for me that hopefully I'll get into later on another podcast Um, but anyways I hope everyone enjoys I also just want to let everyone know um, I'm aware of the way some of the stuff sounds over Skype like this one was with Skype I have some new headphones coming in soon that should be really awesome and should get the audio working really really good for all of the Skype interviews and I do have a new mic system which I'm playing with right now for this intro um for podcasts in person there's another one I'm posting soon that I did in person had a couple glitches with the mic but Getting it all worked out. So, anyways, we're just trying to make this down sound, sound better, and hopefully, something that everyone keeps enjoying and listening into. So, um, you can also follow Dom on Facebook, Domagov Budin. It's D O M A G O J. Uh, Budin is B U D E N, and on face or on Instagram. It's Domi Buden D O M I. B U D E N, just one word. Um and he posts a lot of cool little tricks and tips and all that fun stuff too. So he's doing really good on social media and everything else. So thanks again, everybody. Uh hope you enjoy. Please send any feedback my way. There we go. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, perfect.
0: All right, awesome, man. Well, first, how you doing today, man? How was your new year's?
1: Well, pretty good, and yeah, Happy New Year and all the best. Uh, yeah. It's been pretty good, actually. Been working pretty hard, always at tournaments now. Had a break before New Year's, so now it's back to work.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was, I, it's so cool now having, uh, having friends in other countries, because I, I think it was about 3 p.m. on my time on New Year's Eve, and I looked at my phone and I saw, oh, Dom, it's midnight right now for him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, wait, you're pictured. in California? Yeah. Yeah, that's nine-hour difference, so yeah, 3 yeah. p.m. Yeah,
0: same time for Reading for you. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: How, actually, before we start the way I normally do, actually, I want to ask you while I'm thinking of it, how, how do you adjust when you um, for time differences? Do you allow yourself enough time when you get to a tournament with a big time difference to, to sleep a day or something like that, if you have to?
1: Well, for this, like Reading and Vegas and, for example, Shanghai, those are big time differences. So when you go over, you usually take one day more. But the thing is, you can't go there and sleep how you would in your normal time zone. You have to force yourself to stay up. And if you manage to do that the first day, then you're completely fine. At least I am. Some people have a bit more of a struggle with it. I don't. I honestly just need to get through the first day. Uh, with the normal time zone for that local place and then it's completely fine for me
0: oh okay Yeah, that makes sense i i think that would tear me up the first time if you know this is something i want to do in the future but if i ever travel to shoot that that's far enough for that time zone i think that's gonna be rough on me
1: well you better (laughs) come over to meme or something
0: yeah that's coming up quick right
1: yeah in two weeks actually way too quick (laughs)
0: Right? No kidding. (laughs) Um, So, well, before we jump too much into the tournaments, um, I always like to let anybody I talk to on here kind of do a a little introduction on themselves and just explain how how you got started in archery and um, kind of how that led you on the path you're on now.
1: Well, I started uh, 12 years ago, so it's been a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started when I was nine. And in all fairness, I started archery because I wanted to travel as much as my sister did. It wasn't actually because I wanted to start archery. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to travel. And then in a few months, I started loving archery and I started really enjoying what I was doing. And then uh, year after year, I started doing more of it and started uh, competing outside the country. And just achieving the goal why I started, actually, to travel and still enjoy the sport by itself was what got me here today. I still enjoy what I do, and it's amazing to do it.
0: Yeah, and it's always fascinating to me, too, because it, like in America, it's so, it's so simple. I, I'd say 90% of archers started in the target archery just because of hunting um is is croatia a country where you see that or is is i, well, I don't no, because know because it's
1: illegal to hunt here okay. with the yeah. bow and arrow so we kind of skip that bit
0: <laughs> uh, only with a bow and arrow
1: no it's illi- yeah it's illegal to hunt with the bow and arrow you can hunt with rifles if you have the permit
0: really do you know the yeah. reasoning behind that
1: honestly i don't i honestly think it's more because uh, they thought more uh, uh, that people are not that educated about archery, so they were worried about uh, hurting the animal instead of killing it. And yeah. uh, so they're trying to educate hunters <clears throat> to work with a rifle that's much more simple than a bow and arrow.
0: Yeah. No, and, and that makes perfect sense too. I, I can understand that as a viewpoint for any other country. Cause I mean, most, most of the European countries, they either have that outlook on it or that they don't do it at all.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Did, uh, did you grow up with any interest or any, any kind of inclination into hunting?
1: Well, I did. I, I honestly, my opinion about hunting is that I love the side of hunting. That's to feed your family. I would love yeah. to do it. If it was allowed here, I would do it. I think it's amazing to have fresh meat, clean meat, mm-hmm. and you know what you actually eat at home. Uh, but I'm not a supporter of trophy hunting. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And that's. I think that's the, pretty much the view of the whole of Europe. But that's just what we grew up in, and we don't agree with it. But yeah. I, I think my family we like... Hunting as just for me and to feed your family that principle. Right. I very much support
0: <laughs> Right, right no, And that's that's a very common viewpoint on it, too. And um, it makes perfect sense. So, yeah um, So So it, it's it's interesting to see that too and, and your start in archery as a kid it, What what kind of tournaments were were you getting to attend in the beginning. Well, uh, well to be honest, really I actually started up.
1: with 3Ds. Really? I actually started shooting 3D uh, with my dad and my sister. And it was just the kids' 3D. Like, it was the normal 3D tournament here that we get by world archery rules. But okay. uh, it was the lower distances. I think we were only going up to, like, 33, 34 yards. Yeah. And that's how I actually started. And then I went into field archery. And then I went into target archery.
0: Oh, okay. Because
1: my dad just wanted to teach me a lot of more different things than just jumping to target archery in the beginning.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, starting with 3ds is a great way to hook somebody into it too, because it's yeah it's exactly a lot of fun, it's so much fun, especially for a kid.
1: Exactly. <clears throat>
0: um, what is a 3d tournament? There is it is very similar to like a reading style shoot.
1: Uh, no, not really. It's actually similar to your asas just different rules and absolutely no money uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's uh it's literally just the foam animals with the 10 and uh, 11 rings Mm -hmm. and there's no orange dot like there is on reading and it's all unmarked we never have marked 3ds oh okay it's very uncommon that you shoot a marked 3d round in europe really yeah
0: that's interesting now um as you were kind of coming up in it is there is there a lot of opportunities for money that aren't a a far travel for you
1: uh pretty much in all honesty 90 percent of uh, money opportunities for me are long travel away
0: really yeah
1: yeah it's uh, practically impossible to (laughs) get something or uh, get to a big tournament without spending like a thousand dollars for the trip or flying over to another continent thankfully there is the pro series now in Europe but in all honesty that's that's it
0: <laughs> wow and and I mean that's got to make it hard to chase that too because like the way I look at it you know I, I have a day job and a family to take care of and all that and, and I'm not You know, I'm not quitting anytime soon unless there's an opportunity that's better for me. Um, But, you know, as I'm shooting now, I can, being in California, I can set my sights every year on Vegas and Reading. You know? Yeah, but that's
1: super close to you.
0: Right. You're right. Yeah, it's very close to me. But I I can pick those two tournaments to be my goals for the year, and I can train all year for them. And now um now throughout the winter we have a bunch of small indoor shoots for money yeah they're
1: coming out and they're yeah like the i think it's iowa pro-am this weekend
0: right right and and what we're doing is definitely not as big as iowa pro-am but for guys like us who um can't travel to a lot of that stuff it kind of works great it's a good warm-up into vegas you have a chance to win a little bit of money just enough to add pressure and get that experience um, yeah, that's what we also have here. <laughs> oh yeah, and and we have the same thing now for outdoor season with our uh, our outlaw series, which we take um, we take a handful of our novelty shoots in the state, you know that were used to be for no money, and we created a team money event just like Redding, and you know it's the same style shoot as well, so that's good practice.
1: Reading yeah. <clears throat> you know Redding I mean? <laughs> is amazing.
0: It is, right? I mean, uh, they, just, they just opened registration yesterday, I believe. Did you see that?
1: Uh, I didn't, but I'm going to make sure I register. <laughs> I don't want to miss that yeah. tournament.
0: Yeah, that's, this, it's always rough for me now. With uh, How long was, was the year I met you in Reading? Was that your first year there?
1: Uh, well, when did we meet? What, two years ago?
0: Yeah, two or three, maybe.
1: I, I think my first year in Reading was 2016.
0: Uh, yeah that had to have been it then yeah I think uh well we stopped, we shot with uh Stefan Hansen was in our group, and I think he was in the shootoff that year, right
1: uh yeah, I think he shot something like five down, I think
0: yeah yeah, and he thought I remember the last day he shot five down, he thought he was in like tenth place
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: no uh, no, sorry, last day he cleaned it, I remember on the Sunday he cleaned.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Saturday. I think Saturday was what he
1: was disappointed with.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. I remember I got seven down on that tournament. That was the first time in Reading. So I was quite pleased.
0: Oh, you should be, man. That was great. I mean, it took me me so many years. And in the last, just the last two years now, I broke, I was able to break into the 1520s out on that tournament. And I was just so happy with that, you know? It's, yeah, I mean, uh,
1: just keep practicing and you're going to get there.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. It's a... Uh, hey, and hey, I think the mental thing, for whatever reason, outdoors with me, my game just keeps improving outdoors. But, uh, you know, indoors, I'm still jumping over some mental barriers with that. <laughs>
1: well, because indoors is mostly a mental game and outdoors is, to me, so much easier on your head. It just kind of like yeah. go with the flow and it will be okay. And indoors, right. it's quite a lot of stress on just your head.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's kind of like, too, you go in knowing that you don't have any wiggle room. You can't miss. You can't make a mistake indoors. You know? Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no chance to redeem yourself like there is outdoors.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: um, so, uh, I, what, So what I didn't realize until you posted about it, this year you just had your first pro win right
1: well it was kind of so some people are confused with it because i did win the pro series before and i did win the european field championship before
0: oh okay
1: what i meant with that was it was my first big win big target win on the indoor circuit when there was all the big guys and it was just for me and for what i see of tournaments that was the big win (laughs) Yeah. I had the pro win before at the pro series and I won the European Field Championship. But this was just different for me. When you win the target tournament, then it's to me that's the first big win.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I mean everybody's everybody's got their tournament too, that, you know, to them probably means a lot more than than something else. And that there was probably for you it was probably some kind of a, a barricade or something that you jumped over and I, I yeah because I wasn't great. the best
1: I wasn't the best uh, indoor shooter to like up to like a few years ago because we did not have an indoor range to shoot at for more than twice a week and we would only get an hour per practice twice a week and that's horrible and oh, there would wow. be six of us to share it in two details because it was just a hallway so I would end up shooting like 20 arrows per practice i would end up with like 40 50 arrows per week on target and i could never get over 590 on a world uh, archery scoring round on x's Uh, and then i actually dad and i decided to invest and we built our own indoor range out of our own house and now i have my indoor range at my house and i practice six seven eight hours a day at it it. and ever since then it's just insane (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. It, it just goes to show too how every aspect of this game is different, and you know you yes, need exactly. you need that opportunity. You can't just roll in cold and be able to compete. Exactly. Well, that's that's very cool. Um, ha, can you uh, talk about that series a little bit? I'm not too familiar on it. Um, it it's fairly new, right? The that indoor the, series.
1: The- With the World Indoor Series,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, well, in all honesty, it was just so it's been already for a few years that we've been having the uh, World Cups indoors, right? And they were all still connected. All the points from them would uh, you would collect them, and then in Vegas, some of the top sixteen would make the World Cup finals.
0: Gotcha. And
1: now, in all fairness, they just renamed it. And I think they added two legs to it. I'm not completely sure. Oh. Okay. At the moment, I think there was supposed to be another World Cup in Korea, but they canceled that one for some reason. Uh, there's one at uh, Luxembourg. Uh, so Korea was supposed to be Macau, China, Nim, and Vegas. I think that I think that's it. I'm not completely sure. I think that's five of them. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, there's gonna be finals again in Vegas for top 16, which oh, okay. I hope I will make this year.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll be watching if you do, man. That'll be cool. I was. Enjoy... I, I
1: honestly, I'm hoping I have enough points already, but you never know with the guys that are gonna compete at Nim and Vegas. It's gonna mm-hmm. be quite difficult.
0: Well, like you said, though, man. Obviously, you've been putting in the work, and it definitely showed from that bt indoor so
1: yeah but so, really yeah, I mean... the big like the change to pse for me was huge and it's just these bows are incredible it's just how much work you put in that's how much you get out and
0: it's right. incredible right right and uh well actually you um you're shooting pse right now correct yeah um and you're you're shooting the perform x yeah um how about can you uh talk about that switch a little bit because you were with Botec before correct
1: uh yeah exactly what would you like to know
0: um just how'd that come about um was it just time to try something different or um was it part of kind of being a, a newer pro you were looking well, for a, was... a better contract? or
1: No, I wasn't looking for a better contract. And The thing is, it was just, we both, it was decided from both sides. <laughs> uh I didn't just come out of my contract that it's better for both of us that we go different ways. Right. Uh I actually, in all fairness, the first two or three months, I did not have any other contract. When I went out of Botec, I bought my Black Perform X out of a store. And okay. I just shot it. I did, I did not have any other contract. And since they won <laughs> that bow, and I just clicked. It was simple to set it up. It was very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, at the first day, the first tournament for me, the World Cup in Berlin, I already got second place and third place in Pro Series, just behind Stefan and Mikey by one point. So that was like the good, Debut for me after having the bow for two weeks, and then ever since then it's just been incredible.
0: Wow! Two weeks on that, and that's what went down. That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I was honestly quite stoked. <laughs> it was quite <laughs> surprising.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like that bow was waiting for you. So, <laughs> I don't.
1: Yeah, know I mean everything. You. Everything just clicked. And realistically, with my draw length, I need a forty-inch bow.
0: Yeah. What? Uh, what's your draw length at right now?
1: Thirty two
0: point four. Oh my god, really?
1: Yeah, I know I'm a gorilla. It's insane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I can actually I, I know exactly where you're coming from uh with that bow as well because uh, well that's what I'm shooting right now. <clears throat> I'm shooting the Perform X also. Um
1: I saw and I saw that you're enjoying it as well.
0: Oh definitely, yeah. And um and and I've made some switches this year and actually I took I took my draw length from 29 and a half up to 31 and I realized it it just performs so much better.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean Jeez. the thing is it's okay, uh, but the thing is on the big draw lengths uh everything comes in question. You need to have the best arrows on the market because you don't have much mm-hmm. to cut off of them. The bows right. need to be extremely straight, the arrow needs to be launched straight because on our joint, everything comes in hand, and people underestimate how it is to set up a bow that's on thirty two inches comparing to a bow that's on twenty nine inches because pretty much all bows are centered on twenty nine the perfect knock trail is gonna be on twenty nine so right. we always have to do something a bit extra,
0: yeah, and I think uh I think that speaks a lot about how great PSE is doing with these Perform series bows and
1: uh, Exactly.
0: Yeah, I, I it blew me away the the way they tune as well, man. I mean, I love the fact that I can just I can switch my let-off on the fly if I feel like I want to try that or, you know, in, in early season when when there's really nothing coming up soon and I have time to play around, I I mean, you can change everything on this bow and test everything out that it has just with yeah but the torques what i
1: honestly what i exactly but what i like about these bows is that the they you can tune whatever you want them yet there still isn't too much it's not overwhelming
0: right
1: you can still uh, like a normal amateur that would just buy a, a bow out the shop and go tune it themselves without much experience there still isn't that much you can screw up on those bows right and once you yeah. get a, once you get a setup it's not going anywhere i love the fact that it doesn't have yokes honestly that made my life so much more simple
0: <laughs> right
1: uh, yeah it just doesn't move the cam timing stays for ages uh, yeah. sight marks stay for months it's just incredible
0: Yeah, and and that goes to what you were saying as well. You can you can have the amateur who's never done it before grab a bow like that or that bow and just do a basic generic setup that everybody knows on it and it'll shoot great.
1: Exactly. As
0: as they develop as an archer, they can make these little tweaks on it and play with it, you know. Exactly. And you still know that you have a
1: bow that can compete with the best in the world.
0: Yep. Definitely.
1: um i honestly can't wait to try the supra i didn't think i was gonna try a 37 inch bow but uh i tried my girlfriend has a supra and my dad also okay and i tried it and it's incredible
0: oh, really? whatever
1: balance whatever balance you put on that bow it just stays it just <laughs> aims amazing it's such a simple bow to shoot it's even more simple than perform x like only, like, you put the wrist, like, eyeball the wrist, approximately. Oh, yeah. And by my opinion, I always put the wrist in, like, my dynamic center shot where I press on the grip because I want it to be forgiving. But after that, there isn't much to do. And the bow is shooting absolutely amazing.
0: Interesting. And you're actually the second person to tell me that. I was talking to a friend the other day who's shooting one. And now I, I gotta try this thing out, man.
1: <laughs> you need to try it out. It's like my my dad said, like shooting that bow feels like like sitting in a really comfy chair at home. It's just comfortable. It's relaxing. It's it's just honestly, it's awesome to shoot.
0: Interesting. Are you thinking about make uh, shooting that? from here on out, or do you have an eye on maybe outdoor season for it, or what do you think? Honestly,
1: uh, honestly I just want to try. I just want to see how I will get yeah. along with it, uh, because it's going to be hard to beat my performance. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, with my setup and everything, how the bow is doing, it's just it's going to be hard to beat it, and the speed I'm getting out of my performance is just incredible with how heavy my my outdoor arrows are, and to get – I'm getting 285 out of a 475 grain arrow. Oh, wow. That's going to be hard to beat.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's God. That's great. Well, yeah, you got to take in that long draw length.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's one of the advantages.
0: Definitely. Wow. Um. Well, so actually, I, I want to jump back a little bit here, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. So... How, how long? Um, so right now, are are you shooting? Are you doing archery entirely for your living?
1: Uh, yeah, at the moment, yeah.
0: How how long ago did you kind of start that as your your only source of income, or you know? Two thousand
1: sixteen.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: After the after I made the World Cup finals and got bronze at the World Cup, uh, both they took me in as a pro shooter and ever since then it's just been a living of mine (laughs) it's been a dream come true in all honesty
0: definitely man and um you're uh how old were you in 2016 when that started
1: uh 18
0: you're
1: 18 okay
0: 19 19, sorry i i'm really happy for you to hear that because I, uh, I'm a person who knows how easy it is to, uh, to, to trick yourself into thinking, oh, I need to take a day job and, and try and make some money and do this on the side. Um, you know, I think, I think it's important to do what you did and really stick to it and, uh, you know, let your family support you while you're younger and and really go after it, especially if they're willing to do that for you too
1: uh yeah i mean without my family it wouldn't be possible but it's still it's still quite tricky because with sport it's always like if you don't achieve it can't be your living anymore mm-hmm. Uh the thing is how much you achieve that's how much you get out of it sometimes i prefer to have a daily job because it's just a bit calmer on your mind right but, uh, uh it's kind of hard, but it's amazing and rewarding at the same time.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, just to be in the middle of, of chasing that dream has got to be just awesome when you're jumping on a plane going to another country to compete.
1: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I can't wait for this season with going to China again and USA. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Vegas again.
0: Yeah, definitely. And Vegas, yeah, Vegas is coming up quick on us too, man.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, it's what, uh, like four weeks away?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's nothing. And that's why I was, um, what I was going to say is this time of year gets, gets rough on me because you have uh, Reading opens up like it just did and starts filling up really fast. So for me, I got to try and register for Vegas and Redding pretty much at the same time. Yeah. yeah,
1: and that's very painful on the wallet.
0: Oh, very. <laughs> those those they're expensive tournaments. But I agree with the way they they changed the prices of them and raised them and whatnot. I mean, I think it's very beneficial for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean archers shoot. are
1: getting more out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um
1: Are you gonna be shooting the pro category in Vegas?
0: Yes. Yeah. So uh oh, that's last very year... that's
1: very painful then.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very and and last year was my first attempt at it because I told my I, I was like all right I, I got to do it man I, I shot pro in Reading the previous year I'm like I just I have to go for it and yeah and man did that mental game wall just come crashing down on me
1: <laughs> oh yeah Vegas is tough
0: very very uh it's it's interesting too because I I look back on it and I'm like man after. You know, after I dropped my first two points, I should have just shot great after that. No, like, no. Nothing no. should have mattered. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't yeah. help at all.
0: No, no. It just, yeah, it, you do that, it just keeps tumbling down. It's, it's a my whole different My first world. time
1: in Vegas, my first two arrows, I opened with, so my warm-up was six X's, and then oh. my first two arrows were two fat nines, a low right. Oh. <laughs> I was just, come on.
0: Man, that, and that's so hard too. And it, especially for me when I do something like that, because the way I look at it is that's, that is my big, uh, big travel is Vegas and Reading, you know? Um, it, it's, even for me, it's not feasible to, to hit uh, a lot of these tournaments in, in the United States that, you know, might cost me, 4 or 500 dollar plane ticket to get there and entry fees and all that just no, trying to take the time cheap, off of work. What's that?
1: That's not very cheap. I expected it to be like 150 bucks for you to get there.
0: Well, yeah. There's uh like Vegas. I can I can get like a round trip plane ticket to Vegas for 150 bucks, but um especially cuz I haven't flown much. So I if I'm trying to get to the East Coast um, it, the, the dollars just rise every day on the price and a typical ticket could be six to nine hundred bucks for a round trip oh
1: that's incredible.
0: yeah so I'm it, quite it, happy
1: with the ticket I got for Vegas this year I'm flying with my girlfriend from London uh-huh. so uh, we're only paying like four hundred bucks for the ticket for a round ticket so that's not bad at all that's,
0: that's incredible <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's amazing, honestly.
0: And I mean, well that's gotta be uh like some frequent fly- flyer stuff that you've got going too, right? You Not at all. Really?
1: Not at all, yeah. Oh. I'm flying with a company that I don't have the frequent flyer with. <laughs> I have the frequent flyer with uh, Star Alliance and that's American Airlines, so Oh wow. no no points there.
0: Oh. Well crap. It was just
1: an incredible offer, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah definitely. I mean, I guess if you get to sit down early enough in the year and just start you know locking locking yeah the I mean I bought the and... car
1: I bought the tickets I think like three months ago
0: oh okay, yeah that's perfect and i'm
1: looking at <laughs> I'm looking at getting the tickets for Reading as well, yeah, I'm gonna probably fly to San Francisco and then just drive
0: yeah that makes sense, that's and that's I love perfect. San
1: Francisco I wanna see San Francisco a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always cool, you know, coming here from another country. It's got to be fun to see all the, the little California sites you hear about, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And it's warm.
0: Uh, that's true. Yeah. It's, uh, and usually, yeah, during the reading shoot, most of the time it's a little too warm.
1: Oh, it can't be too warm.
0: <laughs>
1: I love uh, that it, weather.
0: <laughs> well, why, what, what are you looking at for weather where you live? pretty like is it year-round
1: pretty cold or no 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 our summers are insanely hot
0: oh okay
1: like 105 (laughs) to 120 fahrenheit
0: oh Oh, god it sounds like exactly where i live actually in fresno we get we get a lot of that
1: (laughs) our winters are cold but in all honesty i have no idea how much it is in fahrenheit we go down to like minus 10 celsius on an average winter and minus fifteen, on a bit colder, even minus twenty.
0: Well, I, you know, I, I don't think it matters if it's Celsius or Fahrenheit. If it's minus, it's too damn cold.
1: <laughs> it is really cold. Really cold.
0: <laughs> yeah, that. So that's why you definitely needed to build that indoor range for winter time, so you're not standing outside trying to shoot twenty yards.
1: <laughs> exactly, and I did that before.
0: Oh man. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's kind of how I started, and luckily out, out here at the ranch I, that I grew up on, um, we had a, a large enough garage that we we got just we were like, I think we could get it to like nineteen point one yards or something like that. So, so we were just right there at the edge of it for for Vegas. So it, it worked.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's perfect almost
0: um, yeah almost just just a step just a step too close
1: <laughs> but that's but that's okay it still works
0: yeah definitely definitely um so let's see i'm just looking at some of the stuff i kind of wrote down that i wanted to talk to you about <laughs> um so actually what uh what does your setup differ like for you between um, indoor and outdoor, and like getting ready for Vegas right now? I mean, uh, your indoor shooting starts probably a lot earlier than most of us, being that you're um, you're going on that World Indoor Circuit and everything else is 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 the yeah. Setup we already the start same?
1: preparing around October. I just okay. I run a bit more weight outdoors, especially the front weight on the bow but nothing else changes much. I'm actually running quite low poundage at the moment because there's no need indoors. I'm only shooting like 54, 55 pounds
0: okay, and I'm yeah, on I...
1: 60 outdoors. So those are the only differences. The, the poundage a bit higher and a few more ounces in the front.
0: And you know, it's funny you say that cause I actually, I do the same exact thing. I always take it down to about 54 on the indoor. Um, what what let off are you shooting it at on your uh, perform?
1: performance i'm I'm shooting like eighteen pounds at the moment yeah it's oh, under sixty five percent
0: yeah yeah that's man that's almost exactly the same as what I do for
1: it yeah, I think that's like kind of like the perfect middle for indoors
0: yeah, no, it makes perfect sense um and uh i I wanted to ask you too about, I saw you, the post you made the other day about uh, stripping some of your weight off. Yeah. Can, uh, for anyone who didn't see that, can you kind of explain that and that process and kind of what, well, what that teaches you?
1: Well, just what I said on the post as well. I got many questions about it because people still didn't read everything that I said. <laughs> I said that I only do, I only stripped the weight down do a few ounces on my bow to see the mistakes I'm doing on my form. I'm not going to shoot that bow like that on a tournament. Right. Because I'm shooting 19 ounces in the front and 22 in the back is my current setup. Yet, I took it down to 4 in the front and 8 in the back because the bow then is a bit jumpier and much lighter and just shows if you're not pushing in line, if you're not pulling in line. As soon as you're back backhand goes off your face when you get the shot off It's gonna it's gonna make way bigger mistake than it would with more weight and just the small mistakes we kind of develop over time with shooting a lot of weight on the bow it mm-hmm. kind of shows them because we don't feel them on the on a heavy bow because it just kind of swallows them so now when you take them off you can work on them because for me honestly after some time of shooting bigger weight i notice like oh i just get like i, I get like just out high and i can't figure out why i take the weight off and i notice i've been pushing them off a bit with my front arm yet you can't see it on the bow when it's too heavy it just falls down
0: right and the shot just so feels just, the same every time
1: exactly the bow does the same movement all the time because it's heavy and it has its own movement but it just for me at least might not work for everyone uh, it's just nice to take the weight off and actually see what you're doing to the bow. Wow.
0: That's interesting. How often do you do that?
1: Well, honestly, I did it back in October one time and I did it now because I just didn't feel like myself after the two-week break that I took after Rome mm-hmm. uh, It just didn't feel like myself. I know it's I was a bit jumpy on the the lines and execution so I just wanted to check some things, and it was crazy. I'm shooting like 27, 28 x rounds with that bow at the moment with that uh, weight on the bow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and you felt like you needed to find find something wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
0: like that, it's that just that the just... thing is <clears> throat>
1: the throat> thing is like when you get uh when when you put the weights down and. Uh, the first start is horrible. Like you're going everywhere. And then you notice things on your form, what to do to calm the bow down when there is no weight. In the end, that's going to influence you aiming even steadier when you do have weight on the bow. So now, as I said, like with this bow now with four ounces in the front and eight in the back on this like massive bow, I'm literally getting 27, 28 X rounds, which shows me that I'm getting there with my form. (laughs)
0: Wow. How how long are you gonna keep it like that before you jump back? Like, you Honestly, probably like a, a,
1: a day a day or two more. So like four or five days. It's like I go like a therapy session for four or five days.
0: Okay, I'm gonna have to try that because that that's <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And <clears throat> I think I, I with what I'm kind of dealing with right now on in my indoor stuff, I think that could help me a lot.
1: Yeah, you're gonna be quite shocked. <laughs> <laughs> because when you take all of that all of that weight off, then you start mm-hmm. seeing, like, what you can do in your form to calm it down, and it's not always the bow that's aiming bad.
0: <laughs> and it isn't it amazing to you that it um, even one or two ounces moving it around the difference you can feel on it after enough time shooting.
1: Yeah, that's huge. One one ounce you take off of the front when you had like a lot of weight on. You take one off to stop dipping low and you start going high. It's just incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it just shows if, if you're an archer that does that and, and can feel those differences, I, you're putting in enough time apparently to, to be at a next level. I mean, you know, I, I, I can say it probably took, it took quite a few years of shooting for me before I, I even felt like I outperformed the bow once in my life, you know, and I'm talking old, old bows and stuff like that. But once I kind of realized, Oh, I actually need better equipment now, you know, and that that's kind of how my mind works too. I want, you know, I, I, I stopped, I stopped doing the upgrade every single year. And I finally told myself like three or four years ago, um, you know, I need to. I want to lock down one bow. I want to learn everything about that bow and get the most out of it I possibly can.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. And in all honesty, the past few tournaments with the Performex, I th- I told my girlfriend that, like, I feel like the bow outperformed me by quite a bit. <laughs> wow! And it just helped <laughs> me a lot.
0: <laughs> what What do you mean by that? Do you mean the forgiveness that it's given you?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just. Some shots should not have been there. Uh, And when I get nervous with this bow, it just doesn't aim as bad as what I would expect. It still stays there. It still stays around the X. And it's just there were some moments where I felt like I shot worse than I hit. Okay, yeah. But I agree with what uh, Steve Anderson says. Kind of like there's both sides to the story. He says that the bow can't be forgiving. It's your form that's forgiving if your shot is smooth enough. Then right. it is gonna be forgiving, but I think there's both stories to it. I think the bow can be forgiving and your form can be forgiving.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That makes sense. I mean, I um I I definitely have noticed with the Perform X, there's been quite a few times where exactly what you said describes it perfect, like the bo the bow outperformed to me where where, you know, execution was great, everything felt great but i just visually noticed that you know the dot was maybe sitting at the bottom of the yellow when the shot went off and i thought oh god and i look and it's just dead center in the x yeah and you're like oh is this bow magic or what what just happened here
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes it surprises me as well
0: (laughs) um so actually, I, something you said earlier—you you said you're shooting um, about six hours for your practice. What, what, what are your typical practice regimens look like? Uh, you know, how many days a week, and and obviously you say six every, hours
1: every day, every day a week, and I try not going under like two hundred twenty arrows minimum per day.
0: Wow! So. So, right now,
1: are you just shooting back to back, uh, indoor right rounds? Right now, I'm just shooting at, yeah, a ton. I would shoot like 150 arrows on two meters blank bale per day, and then the rest on target. I don't really, I shoot one round maybe per day, like 30 arrows that I score. I don't really, really like scoring in practice because I don't think it's good for your head, but, uh, because it puts expectations in your head. And, it, when practice is there to make you better, score. You shouldn't be scoring on practice. You can score sometimes at practice to just see your progress. Mm-hmm. But scoring constantly at practice is gonna put pressure under you, uh, like on you again. And you're gonna expect the tournaments. And especially people that constantly post what they shoot in practice, uh, other people are gonna start expecting from them. And then it's just a whole uncomfortable situation you put yourself into for a tournament.
0: <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. I see it all the time. You see a lot of people who just every day, oh, shot another 325x, 27x.
1: Yeah, and then it's a 292 and... with 4x at the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Realistically.
0: So do you, think, do you think that's the best answer kind of for maybe um, the mental game as well on the indoor is Maybe
1: only score yourself once you know during your practice sessions my honestly I, depending how many how many times a week people shoot I would score like once or twice a week, maybe, mm-hmm. but that's definitely like that's gonna help your at least my mental game, but uh there's so much more to the mental game that that's not gonna fix <laughs> you at the end of the day, by my opinion, the most important thing is that you stay focused on your shot. And that you keep thinking about your routine of the shot while you're shooting at the tournament. That's the only thing you can like that can make you jump over your problems.
0: Right. So like I um like with blank bale shooting, I, I I tend to notice I, I've caught myself doing this early on too. You can you step up and, and you want to shoot some blank bale you can all of a sudden, at a blank wall, have the best form in the world, you know? And, and everything's easy, and, and everything looks perfect, and then it, it all goes out the window as soon as you start shooting a target. And
1: because most people stop uh, thinking about the same thing. is the mind process you have on 2 meters, and the mind process you have on 80 meters is not the same. And it right. should be.
0: So, and then... And and some of that probably comes with the scoring then as well. So if you're standing up there shooting, yeah, I think you're saying like if if you're going to practice uh, Vegas rounds or whatever all day and you're yeah. standing up there and maybe you shoot six Vegas games, but you don't score them, but you're you're shooting those Vegas targets just like you would be shooting at the blank wall.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're, just... and you're trying like my practices consisted of me literally trying to make that same shot as I did on two meters, that same smooth shot. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, most people don't understand. It's not, at least it is for me like that, like we don't aim, uh, consciously. Most people focus on their form and let their mind aim. it's like kind of an autopilot.
0: Yeah.
1: Because for example, like when you drive a car, you don't focus on driving the car within the lane you just kind of drive it and it stays within the lane because you're not constantly focused on just keeping it between the lines it's the same with shooting you just focus on your form and your mind will center out the dot in the middle
0: so do you think do you think that's a matter of like staring as well of just like Do you do you just focus your eyes? You just focus your eyes on the center of the center. You always look at what you want to
1: hit, not at the dot.
0: So so what what do you say for the people like me who who when you do that it it starts to work great, but then as soon as the dot ends up where you're focusing, it kind of throws you off.
1: (laughs) Well, usually then I would put a ring on my scope. Yeah. So it doesn't, the dot doesn't put stress on your mind when it's in the middle. My girlfriend actually had problems with aiming low because she wouldn't be able to handle the dot in the middle Mm -hmm. and we put a ring on it. And that's actually funny, (laughs) but, uh, we put a ring on the scope and she just started focusing on looking at what she wants to hit. And she noticed that her body was actually putting the ring. Central to the ring on the target, without her making it. And after some time, it cleared out the aiming issues.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, see that gives me a lot to think about. Practice too, and I think a lot of people who are listening will probably really consider that as well. Um,
1: well, I hope I think, it helps.
0: <laughs> I no, I think it definitely will, man. And I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to indoor season, a lot of people. Don't know what to do. Because, like what you just described to me, to me, that sums up my outdoor shooting to where I know I'm just to a point where I need just more time to keep adding those extra points. Because, you know, I can't remember a time that I've activated my release at an outdoor shoot. You know, everything, everything just, I come back, I, I anchor in, everything feels comfortable. And, you know, I kind of focus on the middle and that shot goes blows. when it's ready. <laughs> yeah, it just goes. Yeah, exactly. I have no control over it. And that's where for someone like me, it gets hard to, to get that same thing happening indoors, which is dumb. <laughs> it really is. It should just, it should be just doing the same exact thing.
1: but Yeah, but it's not because indoors is just a way more complicated mental game and you should focus on improving your mental game uh, like what we talked about with aiming and stuff and just focus on your execution some things you can get away with outdoors that you can't get away with indoors
0: right so now during the time you're practicing as well are you are you giving yourselves like the same kind of breaks between between arrows that you would have at a tournament or you just
1: no of, not really because happen? then it would take ages to shoot that <laughs> amount of arrows well, so i just kind of I
0: I, you said six hours so i'm thinking huh i wonder
1: <laughs> yeah with that it'd be like a 100 arrows shot if i if i took those breaks right, but right. uh but the thing is i i actually try shooting six arrows and end Because if you can develop your focus to be strong on six arrows, it's going to be much easier to handle three arrows at the tournament. Right. You get what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's like um, that for for anyone listening to who has that problem of you, I I couldn't tell you the number of people I know, you know, and, and I've been one to do this, too, where where your first arrow is flawless every time. You'll shoot it inside the, inside the X ring, same hole, no issues. Your second yeah, arrow and then is, second a, is a bit worse.
1: And then yeah. the third one, you can get it together.
0: Yep. Your third is usually the point you're dropping at some point. Yeah. And, and that's like, that probably just goes to show for someone like you, you're probably seeing that as oh, they're just, they're only training for three arrows.
1: I mean, most like sometimes, like 50% of the time I shoot three arrows as well, just mm-hmm. to actually practice the same game. But when you want to improve something like that, that you actually notice, you can't hold the focus for three arrows, then you need to increase the, the arrows that practice. And you actually need to, you need to make yourself focus more than you usually would. So you kind of like torture your mind and yeah. practice your mind, same as you would your physical body.
0: Right. Man, we getting some great info out here, Dom. I love it, man.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad if it could help someone.
0: <laughs> no, I think I think it definitely will. I, I know there's people who, as soon as I post this, are going to be hitting me up. And that it, it, it'll give people a lot to consider, you know, for indoor season. Um, I mean, it's given me a lot to consider, too. Cause <laughs>
1: well, I mean, that, if you have any questions about anything, just let me know on or off the podcast
0: (laughs) yeah definitely well yeah i know it it we kind of got back in contact a while back because i was hitting you up about about um your grip on that perform x because that was something i was toying with and really trying to lock down as well and i was having issues with it um do i don't remember now do you put do you put a tape around like athletic tape or um uh yeah tape
1: yeah so it's like it's, a, I think it's like a, a golf tape or something like that. It's called it's like a yeah. fabric y tape, it's not a tennis tape because I think the tennis tapes are maybe a bit too thick.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, and I mean, um, the the like PSE's grips are already thicker than most out there, so yeah, you definitely yeah. don't want to fatten that up too much, but uh, what. I, I hear a lot lately, people with the grips who, you got the guys who are like, you know, oh, let, let your hand slide around. If your hand slides around, it's going to slide right into where it needs to go.
1: No. <laughs> no. Okay. That, can is you, kind yeah. of, that is kind of true. If you think about it, oh, yeah, like, just let it slide wherever it needs to slide and it's going to get there. No. Uh, then you're going to get sweaty and it's going to keep moving. And the amount of movement we are allowed on our hand uh, to miss the the point where we we're aiming at is minimal. Yeah. And uh, the amount we will move if uh, we don't have anything on the grip and then our hand gets sweaty when we're nervous is already way too much.
0: Right. And At least the- I know, for example,
1: mine will mine will just keep going upwards the tiniest bit, and it will keep putting pressure on the top of my hand. And I I wouldn't like that.
0: <laughs> that's funny because that's exactly what happened to me that finally made me put the tape on it, too. And everyone was telling me slide my hand all the way up in that grip on that Perform X.
1: And, no, and then I get a bit sweaty, and you're going to notice it slides a bit more. And then you're going to grip the bow so it doesn't. And then you're going to develop some tension on your hand that you don't need.
0: No, yeah, exactly. I actually, I was in the middle of a shot one day. And, I, you know, my hand started to sweat in the middle of a round I was practicing. And I finally just took notice. I kind of moved my focus down to my hand for a second. And I watched. And I could kind of see through my sight picture and I can see my hand, you know, and my hand was sliding and my sight was slightly moving the whole time.
1: Yeah, so exactly. Like,
0: oh, okay, this, this,
1: there is. Hot. I can guarantee you there are still things that you didn't feel that would cause the shots to go somewhere where it didn't go off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I got very used to it and just didn't realize what was happening that whole time. Yeah. And then so, you put
1: the grip tape on and you're like, oh my God, this is solid.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and. And I don't have to jam my hand all the way up into the top of the grip either. No, exactly.
1: You know? exactly.
0: And like you said, it, you try and do that, and it doesn't necessarily get all the way there. It feels like maybe you've got your hand smashed all the way up, but there's still more movement. Once you have all the pressure of the bow. Yeah, exactly. It feels like you off. hit
1: the wall up on, like, on the top. Yet when you pull back and you keep pushing, you kind of feel like it just keeps going a bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah
1: my, my, I know my, that some people like it, but I'm not the biggest fan of shooting without the grip. And I really don't know many pros that shoot without the grip.
0: <laughs> that's something that I was talking to with a friend of mine the other day, too, that noticed it. And he actually, you know, started looking through videos and realized, especially all the PSE shooters, uh, everybody who's shooting these bows has a. Because they're
1: they're not matte color. They're shiny. It slides even more. Right. Like foid grips come already with that matte uh, add-on on it. That kind of helps a bit. But people still put grip tape around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who have the, uh, the idea, too, that putting grip tape is going to immediately add torque to your shot or something ridiculous like that, which... You know, no. I think, and, and wouldn't you say that anybody, the the torque that anybody has in their shot, uh, anyone, everybody has their own kind of torque that they're tuning their bow to? Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of basically what it comes down to, so.
1: Yeah, the thing is, I try, especially on the new bows, because right, in 2010, the bows were, I think they're a bit more tolerant on the torque and the bows these days now they don't really like too much movement on the front hand Mm -hmm. Uh, so the front arm should like keep pushing onto the bow but the front hand can't have much movement so for example i just i just close it around the bow yeah i don't do anything with my front hand because i don't want to put any torque on it
0: okay very interesting yeah, man, there's – I'm going to be going hitting the range as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> well, I hope so.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's um, – I, I think what you said, too, um, I, I think it's pretty interesting as well that you're – you said you about half of your practice day you shoot blank bail and then before you even jump onto the paper.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just think it like kind of uh, like gives me the idea of what I want for my shot, and then I can go do it on the target.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're just kind of mentally, you're just locking down the, kind of the mechanics of the shot and the feel. But, exactly. I mean, that's, that's got to put you... Doing that kind of training really has to put you in tune with everything between the bow and your body, right? I mean, you... A, you feel every little detail
1: usually but we also get like super nervous at the tournaments and sometimes just kind of like lose the feeling a bit and don't feel the details that's when we underperform from what we would want
0: yeah yeah thinking about that I, that's always weird to me too the number of times you know you show up at a tournament and i you don't even necessarily like i i could say there's times I didn't even necessarily feel nervous or anxious or anything and I was ready to shoot and I draw back and I'm on that back wall and I just instantly know um you know because I'm shooting a hinge I instantly know oh it's just going to lock up after the click it's not going to fire because I'm I'm so comfortable and relaxed into this wall right now like you know I feel it it's a weird feeling to as opposed to being in, in practice. And, you know, I feel every bit of muscle working through the shot that's supposed to be working. And then I go, sometimes,
1: yeah, but sometimes a tournament, it's like someone gave you someone else's arms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to describe it. (laughs) I think that's exactly right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know a lot of people feel like that sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Something else I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is um, your kind of your fitness regimen outside of shooting. Uh, I've seen you post some stuff here and there about what you do. Anybody who's met you can clearly tell that you're in good shape. You work out, and so what? What do you do specifically for you that you find is the most beneficial for archers? Well,
1: first of all, just uh, so, you know, like it, uh, the past six years, I would say the first four years out of them, I was working out a lot and I was in great shape, but the mm-hmm. past two years, I kind of let myself go. I kind of, I focused much more on archery and got a bit lazy also after four years to be fair, but I'm trying to get back into it now. Mm-hmm. I'm still going regularly to the gym. I'm starting to get uh, quite strong again, but uh In all honesty, we just can't bulk up too much in the gym. Archers are, by my opinion, they shouldn't do it. We need to get lean muscle and we need to, we kind of need to like stretch out more than some other sports would. For example, same as golf, the rotation for them is very important. They can't go to the gym and just work on developing big muscle groups and just stiffen up. It's the same thing for us. We still need a soft shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the moment, I'm just trying to do a lot of cardio, uh, just to be able to handle like the longer shots and everything a bit better, and mm-hmm. just get generally a bit stronger.
0: Yeah. So so you think like cardio and you know um, uh, low weight, high rep kind of.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Building. Yeah, up, up uh, to,
1: let's say up to like, 10 to 12 reps per end should be what we want
0: <laughs> right yeah and that, that's what's strange too is it's I can see how big muscle building can really mess you up I have a friend who uh, a very very close friend of mine who I got uh, into archery well actually he got me into archery a long time ago by selling me one of his bows when he was a kid um but this guy is, he, he's huge. He's, he's six, four, uh, 280 pounds, you know, <laughs> not, not a whole lot of fat on his body at all, but you know, his arms are massive. His shoulders are massive. And uh, yeah, but those actually,
1: are extreme cases. He's huge.
0: Right. Right. No. Yeah. You're right about that. But, um, i kind of realized like i i got him into a bow that that fits him really good but when he's fully stretched out and trying to shoot this thing he looks like he's way scrunched up you know yeah but it's just yeah, it's he just probably can't anchor
1: properly because of the biceps and everything is just stiff
0: yeah and and then i realized he do, that's what he does he shoots like with his shoulders and his biceps and he shoots great you know but he's he's just a hunter it's all he wants to do but it it's interesting to me because i've really looked a lot more into that this last year and um really tried to adjust my workouts to that and uh so again
1: abs and core are really important for us in all fairness, because it makes us straight a bit ups, more up straight.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's huge because especially for like some of the the outdoor stuff. One well, I mean, you know it with the the pro series and the angles and stuff you have to shoot.
1: Exactly, I mean, you need to hold that bow and <laughs> under the angles.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to be crazy. Do you practice specifically just crazy angles for that? Are, are you just mm, you do. You don't, you
1: don't do it much, but you do it like two or three times before the right. pro series just mm. to get used to the cuts, to get used to... Because very rarely it happens that the range finder is going to match your bow. So there's always a difference between them on extreme angles. So, for example, yeah. if, if we are on 35 degrees uphill uh, on a 55-yard target... Let's say my range finder is going to say, put it on 48, 49, yet my bow is going to want 51. So Mm. that's the only reason why you actually do go practice angles and do practice execution on those angles as well. You don't need much though. If you can get your head around the fact that your form shouldn't change on angles and on flat ground, then you're actually going to perform quite well on angles.
0: Yeah, you're just kind of – so like a strong core will will allow you to hinge where you need to hinge and then just continue to make your shot.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, because we have um, one of our – just our novelty shoots out here every year, and there's one shot – you know, it's really the only crazy angle on the range. It's like a 24-degree downhill at 49 yards, and – that that one shot has cost me like my best you know, some of my best scores of all time. Just getting to that one well, and not flat. being ready that's for That's not
1: it. even that steep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it, for first of all, for anyone listening who who hasn't seen the angles at the pro series, they have got to look up I, I think the whole thing was broadcasted last year. There's there's a lot of great Yeah, videos. but there is a
1: Pro Archery series website they should check out.
0: Oh, okay. Where, yeah, where is that?
1: Uh, literally just put in Pro Archer series online and it's gonna come up. There is videos of every shoot for the past, I think, six years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's quite a lot of videos to see.
0: That, yeah, I watched, I've watched a lot of videos of that and it just. They uh, put it, a it downhill bunny
1: this year on 49 degrees downhill on 22 yards the ifaa oh. bunny
0: my god <laughs> that was insane
1: <laughs> that, was, that was just insane
0: i mean you're do, do you leave that shoot like with your your abs or your back hurting or, or like because it's just uh, usually there's, there's usually it's blacking, your, like
1: right? it's your back muscles around the spine because of bending all the time and your legs because of extreme walking, because to get those angles, you need to be on, a, on usually on steep mountains yeah, uh, or steep hills, and you just need to walk a lot. For example, the one in Germany is just extreme to walk. You get home and the next two hours, your legs are still burning.
0: Oh, man. God, how many, how many shoots are in that series?
1: Uh, four per year.
0: Are they all uh, relatively close to each other, or is it all...
1: Uh, well, it's out within out? Europe. It's, it's Germany, Belgium, Luxembourg, and the UK.
0: Okay, what, what about the dates? How, how spread out are the dates?
1: Uh, I Actually, I'm not convinced about the first one, but it's usually June, July, August, and September.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah, they're, they're usually let's say three, four weeks between the legs.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I know we've got a few guys, you know, here who who love to go out to that. Um, you know, I see uh, Tim Gellingham always attends that, doesn't he? Dave Cousins.
1: Uh, uh, I mean, they haven't been for a while. Tim and Tim only goes to. Uh, wales usually don't Um, know why maybe he likes it but
0: well so so like with your all your different tournament circuits um is in europe or well well for you specifically first in in croatia did your country support your archers your pro athletes in that way
1: Well, uh, we do get, our federation is quite awesome. We do get four tournaments at least per year funded entirely by them. Uh, But it's World Archery Tournament, so World Cups. We usually get, let's say, two World Cups funded and uh, two championships. So there's, let's say, a European Indoor Championship this year and a European Field Championship. So, we're going to get those four funded. So, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Awesome. And then, yeah. And then by the like, the under 24 year olds get funding from the Olympic Federation as well. And I get funding from my city as well for my just successful athletes. And I actually get quite big support from my country. So, that's pretty cool.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've never even heard of of a a city supporting an athlete like that, except in other countries. That are are they in a similar way to how you get supporting for those um, or get supported for the world archery events? Are they helping you? Yeah,
1: with... in in all honesty, they for example, my city literally just gives me a number, or some amount of money for that year, and they tell me, okay, like. After you go to the tournament, bring us the bills and we're gonna pay for it. Whatever tournament. It can be reading, 3Ds, whatever. Wow. Well, yeah, I... that's that's pretty awesome, I have to admit. <laughs>
0: what
1: and it like there like out of my scholarships, I pretty much cover all the tournaments I shoot per year. <laughs>
0: like uh scholarships through school or what do you mean?
1: No, it's like we kinda It's probably a bit different in the U.S., but we kind of call them scholars. It's like the Olympic scholarships and then the funding from the city, the funding from the federation. It just kind of, it works kind of differently here.
0: Right. No, I mean, that's kind of interesting. It's always, I've heard about it a lot and always wanted to talk with someone who's kind of experienced in it because I... It's, it's strange to me why, why it wouldn't happen here as well. You know, it's, and I, I feel like if, if I approached my city or, or even, you know, if I was, you know, top-ranked in the world and I approached my city, I think I would get some strange looks. I, I just love that, that you can get some... I, I don't know.
1: I'm, I I'm maybe kind of naive, but I still believe that there's always a way to get funding, no matter where you're from. There's always someone that's going to want to support an athlete. That's successful still, obviously, but...
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a lot of these archers or athletes are looking only within companies in the industry. So maybe there's something you think maybe they should be looking a little farther out. You know? Yeah, I
1: mean, from silly things like a gas station. I know that's silly, but we do spend a lot of money on fuel traveling to tournaments. Yeah. So if you get, I don't know, if you get your car covered in stickers from that gas station as a commercial for them, and they give you, I don't know what amount of money for fuel or uh, their cars to use for fuel, that's still big help. And I know a lot of athletes that get that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm yeah. actually, uh, I'm actually talking to a gas station here in Croatia as well about it
0: wow that's god dang that's so cool man it it pumps me up it makes me kind of excited and gets my gears spinning and makes me think about (laughs) you know (laughs) think that maybe i mean you should always you should always like
1: you should always like i know like my girlfriend's friend like it sounds silly but she has a sponsorship from a local beef jerky company i mean that's awesome Yeah. Like, I would love that. Uh, (laughs) And the thing is, you should always see, like, it's usually the local uh, community and the local uh, trade that wants to sponsor their athletes. Hmm. But you obviously need to approach someone that has enough money to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, well, even what you just said there, getting sponsored by a, a beef jerky company. I mean any little bit helps, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if it's beef jerky.
0: <laughs> Cuz I mean I I think about it too like what what I spend and you know, I I've a few times on this podcast I've said that, you know, I I feel like growing up I should have um I should have found a way into the industry Um, you know, I realized if I would have just started working at a bow shop and worked my way up, I, you know, if I, if I'm doing what I love, I'll find a way to make money at it, you know, but where I'm at now, I, on the other end of it, I can't complain either because I do have the money to jump on a plane and fly to Vegas and go attend the shoot. And I have the money to not have to get into a bow contract. I can go buy a bow I want to shoot and try it out and see how I like it.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's like makes you feel quite free. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. But what do you do actually, for a living? Uh, I'm a heavy equipment operator. So. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, all of all of the dirt work stuff: bulldozers, loaders, uh, that's excavators yeah you you know it's great it was a it was a good opportunity i found um I found it when I was nineteen, I think, and you know jumping into it as early as I did um, you know it gives me a retirement and pension and health care and all that stuff, which you know gets to that be is expensive. awesome
1: that's so, stuff that you don't get with artery
0: <laughs> exactly yeah. You know, that's, that's the, the other side of that is, um, well anyways though, to, but to relate that I, I look at maybe there's more opportunities for someone in my situation. Cause realistically, there's a lot of people like me. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who just started into archery who this guy, um, has been shooting for for like three or four months with a freestyle setup he uh he he attended vegas last year just to watch you know he just wanted to check it out and see what archery was all about and he only went to one outdoor shoot last year but he is shooting his first freestyle setup and within four months he just shot like a 299 for the first time the other day
1: well that's awesome
0: and I'm like, I'm just looking. I'm like, God, I don't know if it's just uh, if it's just all the hard work or if it's just the zero expectations or, or what it is. But. I love that. But he's he's he actually does the same exact thing for a living that I do, which we didn't even know we were in the same union to run heavy equipment. Um, and. You know, he's in the same boat. We're sitting down, looking at all these tournaments, trying to schedule everything out, and see what it's going to cost, and balance that with the family time. But I think maybe there's something to be said there for all the people who who want that opportunity to go from having a day job into archery as their career. You know, as their living, is maybe that's a good way to start. Is looking for those little companies and little places who might support you
1: that yeah but just like so people don't get it wrong i don't like it when people are asking for sponsorship (laughs) just to get just to get the free stuff when they don't have any result Uh, there's a ton of people like that they still need to understand that the sponsorship needs to work both ways you get something and the sponsor gets something
0: yeah and well with that too you can it's kind of like You go to a shoot, and I'm sure you see this as well. Um, You go to a tournament with a jersey you're wearing that has companies on that jersey that you have signed a contract with come up with an agreement to where either they're paying you or they're giving you equipment, and then you see 2,000 other Joe Schmoes walking around the Vegas shoot wearing a jersey (laughs) that looks exactly the same. And you're like, wait a minute, you're not a pro shooter for all 15 of those companies. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, and most of them, usually you're going to see the Facebook posts. Oh, thank you to that company for the free stuff. And they don't yeah. understand, like, we're not giving you free stuff just so you get free stuff, because we like you. We're giving you free stuff because we need a commercial. We need advertising. We need you to sell the product. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so it's like, I mean, it's just the way you're doing it is a perfect example. Your social media presence is somebody who's who's a pro who's winning tournaments. And you're not just posting a picture of you pulling a bow out of the box and saying, thank you for the best bow on the market. No,
1: you're (laughs) doing it.
0: There, you know, there, there's. No, videos that's not even that practicing. bad.
1: The word no, I think the worst thing is like when people literally post thanks for the free stuff. Yeah. I yeah, saw that quite a few times.
0: I've said that exact same thing before. It's it's so strange. Yeah, you you see it a lot, and it's and usually when I see that the whole thanks for the free stuff post, the first thing I think is, who is this person? I've never even heard of them before. <laughs>
1: yeah and why am I not getting the free stuff? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, wait a minute i I like selling stuff i'll I'll sell something for a company more than this person is, and then I think maybe I should reach out and try and then and then at the same time, I look back and I'm like,, ah, I have a job and I can buy what I need right now. I'm okay.
1: <laughs> yeah you know,
0: exactly. it's is that kind of a weird thing though to to walk around and know you're at a level? that you're at but there's thousands of people trying to just copy that image you're trying to act like they're there and they're not anywhere close you know
1: oh well, you just kind of you just kind of forget about it yeah. you accept that that's how it is and you just kind of hope they're not rude <laughs> some of right. them can be rude sometimes but you just kind of accept it and that's how the industry is and
0: yeah, and it, it's, it's strange, too. Like, you go on Facebook, and the number of people you see on Facebook who uh, all it says on their profile is pro staff for 14 different
1: companies. I saw that, I saw that yesterday. I was pissing <laughs> myself at home. <laughs> I mean, one guy actually had, like, a former pro staff at this and that company, I'm like, are oh, you actually God. serious? Yeah. Why you would scroll- you post that?
0: <laughs> and then you scroll down and they have a day job, right?
1: Uh, this <laughs> one actually didn't post anything. It was a grown uh, man without <laughs> just being a pro staff or a former pro staff of a million companies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, it, it's just so strange to me. It's, it's kind of like... I think it's a weird thing for the sport because it's, I think it takes away from the word pro a little bit, you know? I mean, yes. I know, I know guys like you, it's, you got more important things to worry about and you're shooting. But at the same time, like, we all want archery to grow and get bigger and bigger and be something. Yeah, exactly. And pro, pro has to mean something for that to happen. Like, this last year, our, NFAA out here, the governing body for Vegas and for uh, Redding and whatever else you'll attend that they shoot is um, you know, they made some rule changes. I believe it was just last year um, and one of them was the minimum qualifications for the pro division which, you know, I think that's a huge step because there's not it, it's not asking a lot. It's like I think yeah,
1: but pro needs to still be a pro.
0: Right, right, exactly. And it's like it's it's something like having to score within 90% of the top the top 5 scores or something like that. Which when you do the math it, is not that hard at all, especially like in Vegas. You know, if, if you can shoot the 290s, you're capable of competing if you want. But I think that's a step in the right direction and I think they also I I I like
1: the dress code as well. Yeah. Because you you still... They're trying to make the... the... They're trying to make the professional line look more professional. Right. And I just kind of like it because there was always someone that would come in sweatpants or something like that. And we just kind of got rid of that. They're not allowed to shoot that anymore. And they're not... We're not even allowed to shoot in jeans anymore. You need to have proper fancy trousers and... Mm -hmm. a nice polo shirt and we it makes all of us look more professional on the line
0: right it's kind of an identifying factor for people they it's you got to give people like if you want the sport to get bigger and you want um people to aspire to do this and be pros you gotta give them something to look at to want to be you know
1: yeah exactly
0: i I had heard uh, Chuck Cooley, who he's the pro chair for the NFAA, yeah. um, talking about, I believe, within the rule changes last year, he was also making a push uh, towards kind of taking the word pro back, which by that I think he meant like – um, he meant like – I, I believe his – what he exactly said was if you show up to an event like Vegas and you're wearing a shirt that says pro staff for anything on it, then you need to be competing in the pro division. Yeah. So, so there is no pro written on your shirt unless you're actually competing in that division. I mean, that's, I think that's a huge step too. That that kind of kind of solidifies it for people and
1: Yeah, or at that'll... least change the name of pro staff to like company staff or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're not
1: Because I, people I think, think, think as soon as they wear a pro staff shirt that you're a professional archer. And a professional <laughs> archer means that you make a living out of it.
0: Right. And and most don't when they say that. So but they go on Facebook and and they're a company, they're, and what you said is right. They're, they're actually company staff for different companies and how they got on it, you know, one way or another. And that's the next thing you see is their video of thanks for the free stuff. And, you know, and I think uh, for making all this bigger, the social media presence is important too. And it's just like what you posted the other day, your, your advice about stripping some weight off your bow and trying that out that's that's a great advertisement for everybody on your boat without without just taking a picture and saying oh this is great thanks for sending it to
1: yeah you. this is the best stuff on the planet
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly because that's what everybody does this is the greatest ever and everybody's in love with their product and then two weeks later they get a, a Different set of bars from a new company for free, and those are the and then that's bars, the
1: best one, yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I mean i you're a great dude, and I think you kind of got it locked down and and maybe you don't think about it that much because you're you're focused on shooting and kicking ass, and it seems like you're doing it, man
1: <laughs> I'm giving my best
0: yeah, definitely, um well, so. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I don't want to take too much of your time away. Uh, what, uh, what all do you have lined up to shoot for 2019? What's your year look like?
1: Um, so let's start with indoors now. It's NIM World Cup, Vegas and the European Indoor Championship. And then it's Shanghai World Outdoor World Cup, uh, Reading, A tournament in the UK. Uh, Then it's Antalya World Cup. Uh, I think all four legs of Pro Series. Uh, Berlin World Cup. And in all honesty, European Field Championship. World Championship. Outdoors. And in all honesty, I can't remember all of them because that's a (laughs) ton of tournaments.
0: That is a massive massive list and i'm just as you're saying those i'm just seeing money signs that it's just like oh god
1: <laughs> yeah thankfully i go to most of those funded so i don't have to worry much about the funding there
0: that's oh, that's so huge um ha, have you attended the opa yet
1: uh, no but it's on on the bucket list that i would want to attend it one of the years
0: yeah and i I know you have so you haven't attended it yet, but I'm sure you kind of looked into what what it's like and the targets and whatnot. What do you think about that style of shoot?
1: Well, I like it, but it's literally I don't know, I think it's just for the most accurate shooters because the targets are and the dots are just insanely small.
0: <laughs> yeah. But do you think it, it really levels the playing field when you get to pick pick the points you're shooting at?
1: Yeah, because then it's a mental game. It's not fluky shots because in like elimination rounds on a target tournament, there is 15 arrows and it wouldn't be the first time that the first, num- first qualifier was taken out by the last qualifier that got into the eliminations because everyone can shoot a 15-arrow match. Mm-hmm. Yet on a tournament like that, it's there's just so much more to it. There's so much more mental game, so much just a different approach and the execution needs to be pretty much flawless so right you don't really see random people winning uh the opa shoot
0: <laughs> yeah that's true it's definitely not it, you definitely know the person who wins every year
1: <laughs> exactly
0: um... So I mean everything everything you've traveled to over the years and shot, what what what's your favorite right now? What do you enjoy the most? Reading. I had a feeling you'd say that, man. It's so <laughs> damn fun, isn't it? I mean <laughs> I don't know. It's just
1: something about that tournament is just awesome.
0: Yeah. It's
1: I just it's just awesome. I don't know. It's the format and everything. I don't know. I just like it even with the waiting time and I just don't mind the waiting times and it's just so enjoyable to shoot.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful course. You're in the mountains, you're, you're in a yes, great exactly. spot. You've got things to look at while you're waiting. You got friends to talk to and you can have fun, you know, exactly. And I, I especially kind of enjoy the waiting a little bit just because it, it can, it takes some of the edge off of
1: Exactly. A tournament. Yeah. Reading, reading feels pressure wise kind of like a local shoot that you enjoy, yeah. yet it's a very highly ranked shoe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you step up there, you focus down, you shoot your two arrows, and then you step off the line and you know. You probably don't have to worry about flinging another couple arrows for 10 or 15 minutes, depending on where you're at in the tournament. Yeah, and... exactly.
1: You just have a hot dog and a Powerade, <laughs> and you're fine. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
1: I love, the, I love the hot dog stops and the, the grill stops at the Bigfoot. Those are awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They actually, did you hear? They, they had a fire, like a pretty big forest fire come through.
1: Yeah, what uh, happened with sure. uh, what's happening with that now?
0: So, from everything I've seen, they they have extra help. They had people donating money, and um, a lot of volunteers come out. And uh, I mean, clearly they just opened registration, so the shoot is happening for sure. Um, from what I saw online, it looked like they got lucky in that it was not a, a major major areas of the course getting burned down um but they lost some 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 of their bigger structures they lost a lot of snack bars that they're hustling to rebuild um the the shed i guess that they were storing bigfoot and some of the other big targets in they lost that that burned down but uh you know luckily the guy who makes most of those targets raglan is is You know local not too far away And uh, from what I heard He's been busting his ass to get them All their targets this year too So so it looks like It looks like it's all going And they're getting a lot of help A lot of archery shops uh, Threw together some money shoots And donated all the money So I'm sure they'll be okay Yeah they got a lot of support around here Everybody loves that shoot You know all over the world So so it looks like, looks like it's still going to be a great time this year. It's just there's probably going to be a few spots that look a little different, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, yeah, man. Um, so ooh, sorry, lost track of where I was at here. I took down some notes, and I just got completely flip flopped on what I was reading. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's okay. I think we still covered quite a few of them.
0: Yeah, we, we covered quite a bit, man. Um, oh, yeah. So kind of to wrap up here, so, some of the last things I was getting at here. Um, so for your career, you know, I, I, I know you're still young and you're probably not even looking a, this far ahead right now, but uh, a lot of pro archers – you know, shoot for a living for a while and get involved with companies and then stay as a part of a company for a long time? Is is that kind of something you look at for the future or what? Well, what do you that's always do? an
1: option. And that's always like, you always kind of want to stay in the sport. You don't want to get out of it. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm looking at doing a marketing management degree. Or that's what interests me. And then just see where it goes after that
0: oh crap man for for the arch for archery that, that that'd be huge i think that's a great way to go right now too to get involved with archery companies because i mean you'd probably enjoy the hell out of that for one
1: yeah exactly
0: and you'll still get to shoot your bow
1: <laughs> yeah and in all, in all honesty like it's either it's either archery or cars that i'm interested in
0: <laughs> oh what 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 about I just,
1: like... I, I just, I love spending time driving and I'm one of the rare people that drives to pretty much every single tournament in Europe. Um, and I just, I just enjoy them. I, I like fast driving and I enjoy pretty much everything about cars. So it's one of the, one of the dreams would also be to actually work for a car company on the marketing side.
0: Okay, well hell, <laughs> that'd be kind of cool too, man. I mean, it sounds yeah, like but you both, gotta... of those,
1: both of those are quite cool. I think dreams to go off.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's you just got to keep going for it, man. And like right now, you're you're kicking ass. You're on the right path in archery for sure. And, you know, I enjoy. Yeah, watching... so
1: just like keep grinding and <laughs> do my yeah, best.
0: Exactly. You just kind of got whatever, whatever comes, you just kind of got to lay out and and happen on its own, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But, you know, I think I, I just, I, I'm really fascinated by everybody who, who has the opportunity to, to make their living in archery. And it's, um, it seems it's like not everybody, easy. yeah, no, oh, no, it's definitely nobody. I haven't met a single person who claims it's easy. That's for sure. But it seems like everybody has a different way it happened, too. You know, everyone has a different trajectory. And some people worked for companies for a while first, for bow companies or, or something in the archery industry, and then became massive, you know, pros who were winning everything. Some people were more on your path and came up through their youth and... Um and actually that was something too I wanted to ask you to for uh or, excuse me about uh were you very involved um with like a lot of the more advanced like youth programs and stuff like that? were you competing internationally in youth divisions
1: oh yeah i i always so we don't have any youth programs here, just so you know like you oh, guys okay. it's just still still just a normal archery club where you just like twice a week you have you have practice and you're like getting coaching, obviously, my dad is my coach, so <laughs> I was getting coaching seven times a week. Yeah. that might have helped my career um, but um I've been competing for the youth national team since two thousand and ten
0: mm-hmm.
1: Only the past two years have been. My uh, actually the past year has been my senior senior uh, career. Okay. I actually won the World Cadet uh, Championship in
0: two thousand thirteen.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah, so my youth career was quite successful. I, I wish I did that... more as a junior, but. You can't always do everything you want,
0: right? I mean, I think that that kind of gives uh, people um, the commitment to archery too. Is coming in as a youth and getting to accomplish something or getting to compete alone in, in certain events. You know, I I think I've said it before on the podcast, but like for me, what what Doug. Like, just sunk my hooks into archery and just, I knew, like, I'm never going to stop this. And I knew, you know, if it takes me 30 years to be a top competitor, I'll still be doing it for 30 years. Was um, when I first started, I picked up, I finally got a freestyle setup and I was shooting Freestyle Limited with my fingers. Um, Yeah. And I went through, like, in the youth division and, I, I won everything and like no pats on the back or nothing, because in reality, winning everything in youth freestyle limited was beating maybe three people per tournament.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I understand that.
0: And, and like, I, I think the, the year I finally um, didn't uh, like the year I realized I needed to switch was I was, I think I'd won – I won, like, all of our state stuff, all of our local stuff, and then went to Vegas and won Vegas and then won Redding. And I think it was in Redding, and I looked at the score, and I had beat the second-place kid by, like, 200 points. And I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, I'm not (laughs) challenging myself. I'm not – there's no, like – I, don't, I couldn't even tell you where those trophies are today, to be honest. Like, I don't even want to look at them.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you should be proud of any of, one of those. Yeah. That's how you I mean, started. That's what, <laughs> gets, that's what star. got you to what you are today.
0: Exactly. I think I just realized, I looked at it and was like, oh, you know, all these kids that I'm competing against are, like, shooting this division for one year and then jumping into, like, freestyle. Like, I started realizing these are people that that are just starting into archery. They're dabbling with Freestyle Limited and then they're gone within a year. Yeah. So I knew, you know, that I needed to make that change. And, you know, that that's what got me. But I think I think it's still important, like the opportunities for for kids and youth divisions and everything else to to keep getting bigger. Like, I think the coolest thing they've ever done now is the youth money shoot in Vegas.
1: Is there something?
0: Yeah, yeah, they have, like, a youth, I don't remember what they're calling it exactly now, but, like, a junior pro division or something like that. They're shooting They're shooting for, like, $2,000. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, I, I can only imagine showing up for my first year at maybe 13 years old, you know, and seeing these guys who are 15 to 17 shooting for two grand and thinking, oh man, I, I'm going to do that. You know, I think stuff like that just really, really locks you into this sport. And I, you know, that's kind of how it worked for me. It's just, I was looking up at the, the pros winning paychecks at shoots and, you know and just thought yeah it does
1: give you the the nervousness and stuff
0: oh yeah yeah especially the first few times you shoot next to everybody that you watched three years earlier winning shoots and stuff like that you know but i mean that's why that's why i shot the pro division for the first time in vegas last year because i tried not to give myself high expectations and i I buckled down after I had some issues the first day, and I was like, you know what, no, I need to outperform myself, but I need to be used to standing next to these guys and comfortable with it and not worry, because I was cool with it outdoors, but for whatever reason, indoors, it just wasn't sitting with me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. And, like, to me, it's still, like, and like I feel like it's an honor for me to stand on the line with the guys I looked up to, and they were like my childhood heroes
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and with with indoors what what do you think is like you look at the guy um who who can consistently shoot you know two ninety fives two ninety seven something like that. Um, and they're they're trying to figure out right now, you know, not even necessarily for Vegas this year, but over the next two years, they're trying to figure out how to jump themselves to that next level and be a comfortable 300 shooter. For that person, what do you think the practice regimen looks like to make that jump, you know, to, to hit the next In step? all
1: fairness, just practice a lot. Just focus on every arrow and make sure you put yourself in enough situations to actually – reach the score you want. Shoot a ton of the local leagues, a ton of like mini tournaments, and just practice a lot. There is nothing that can beat practice.
0: Yeah. Uh, like our our local league this year, we uh myself and a few of the other guys there were were like, you know what? We can shoot league night and we're shooting in our own environment that we're used to, that we're comfortable in. And then we can shoot our high scores and walk away and just experience zero pressure. So let's add something to it. And we all pitch in five, 10 bucks or whatever. And we do a shoot up at the end for the pot. So, you know, last place against second to last and all the way up to the top. And it's like, man, that, that was the best thing we started doing because if I'm super comfortable and I walk into league and I shoot a 300 and don't think twice about it, and then I get into that shoot off, and now I'm thinking about that fifty or sixty bucks that I'm shooting for. I'm like, oh yeah, this, <laughs> yeah. Is, this is the closest right now that I can get to some of that pressure when you're in, you're at the big show in Vegas or somewhere else. So, I mean that that's my little extra that I add to it is because, like you said, try to put yourself in that situation as much as you can. I think, maybe for people that's a good way to do it too. Just add a something to it. you know something that that maybe in your head you'll be aware oh this this is at the end of this shoot. this is what what's there, but you can attack it the same way you would in Vegas, like, yeah, this is the prize at the end, but whatever your whatever works for you, I don't give a shit about that prize right now. I'm gonna focus down, I'm gonna shoot my shoot i'm gonna you know, everybody has different ways to break through that mental wall.
1: Yeah, exactly. But in the end you just need to focus on yourself.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Well, hell man, I appreciate you talking to me. Um, it was a blast. Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it. it. Again. Cool, cool. I'm glad you did, man. And um, yeah, we'll we'll do it again for sure too. I'm sure This is going to stir up more questions people will have, and we'll do another one, maybe just answering some questions or something. Well,
1: I hope they like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, they they definitely will, man. But um, uh, real quick, too, before you go, do you want to go ahead and let everyone know uh, where they can find you on social media and all that stuff?
1: Uh, So I'm on Facebook, obviously. I don't use my facebook page too much so just add me on my profile domo buden or add me like follow me on instagram and twitter as domi buden
0: uh domi how do you spell it on the instagram twitter one
1: d-o-m-i-b-u-d-e-n okay perfect yeah and i'll uh
0: like I said before, too, I'll do a little introduction before I post this, and I'll I'll um, put all that out there with the spelling for anyone who wants to follow you and perfect uh, watch your accolades and some of your great pro tips that you post on there too, man. Keep them coming, cause I enjoy them for sure.
1: <laughs> perfect, I, I'll try.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, man. It was great. Well, enjoy the rest
1: you. of your I'll weekend.
0: You too. Hey, enjoy those six-hour practice sessions.
1: (laughs) I, I will. I will. And I'll see you in Vegas.
0: Definitely. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye.